There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Vice Guide to Right Now, a daily rundown of all things Vice. It's Wednesday, March 7th. I'm Chris Hardy. Today, we'll hear a personal story of how one woman's views on gun control shifted over time and how she's navigating today's divisive gun debate. But first, the headlines. On February 22nd, about 20,000 teachers in West Virginia walked out on strike, demanding better pay. Now, nearly two weeks later, they've reached a deal. The House of Representatives voted unanimously to give teachers, as well as state employees, a 5% pay raise. This is a big deal, especially since West Virginia teachers are among the lowest paid in the country. Kim Jong-un has offered to halt nuke tests in exchange for talks with the U.S. The potential opening comes after a delegation from Seoul held their first ever face-to-face meeting with the North Korean leader on Monday. And while there's still no action from Congress on gun control in the wake of the Parkland, Florida shooting, the dating app Bumble is taking matters into its own hands. On Monday, the company announced that they'd be banning photos of guns on user profiles. The app has 29 million users. And now, here's the news you won't get anywhere else. Kim Kelly grew up surrounded by guns. All the men in her family were proud NRA members, and the organization helped shape who she is today. But as she got older and bore witness to a changing political landscape and growing numbers of mass shootings, Kim's views on gun control shifted dramatically. Now, Kim covers metal music as a journalist at Noisy. Here's Vice's Sophie Kazes speaking with Kim on her unique position within the gun debate. You grew up in a family that owned guns, hunted, and supported the NRA through and through, basically. So can you describe your family's relationship to guns and how they played a role in your upbringing? So first of all, I'm from the kind of place that is, uh, I suppose at this point you would refer to it as Trump country. So it's been interesting growing up there in general. But in terms of growing up in a a hunting family, that's just always been a part of my existence. I mean, that's how we survived. I mean, my dad's a construction worker. My mom worked in a kitchen until she got sick and couldn't work anymore. So whitetail, deer, and, you know, wild turkeys, and sometimes elk, sometimes caribou, (laughs) whatever dad was able to bring down is what we ate. Like, until I left for, you know, college in Philly, I didn't realize that I grew up in any way that was out of the ordinary until I moved to cities and met people that had no idea where their food came from or that people could own guns for any sort of useful purpose. You know, when you're from a place like that, it is hard to get out. And some people don't want to leave. Some people are perfectly happy where they're at. But for whatever myriad reasons, I wasn't one of them. And working in such a, you know, for lack of a less inflammatory phrase, like the liberal New York media, you don't meet too many people who grew up surrounded by guns, out in the woods, 
no trash pickup. Our post office is in a trailer. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Yet here I am in the middle of of Viceland. So when you were young, did your dad teach you to use guns? Did you go hunting with him? What was your personal relationship to guns? I mean, my first real memory of my dad that I can remember as a sentient being was um, holding the flashlight for him while he he gutted a deer that he just got. I just remember seeing the stomach, the yellow, FYI, and smelling, you know, smelling the insides of a deer. That all stuck, stuck with me. But I mean... You know, I was totally used to my dad just coming in the house covered in blood or like going out in the woods with him and like helping him track deer or like check on his stands. I had rabbit traps. That was like daddy daughter time, like running around the woods. And he always had a gun. Yeah, guns are just never really in any sort of remarkable weird thing to me because everybody had them. Like my granddad's got, he won't tell me how many he has. My uncles all hunt. My cousins all hunt. They're all boys. There's only a couple girls. It's just me and my sister. But essentially, as a girl, I wasn't really expected to be interested in hunting or guns or any of that. But it was just part of the fabric of my existence. So I was never scared of them because it's just like, they're just, just a tool. You just don't be an idiot and make sure they're pointing at the ground if you pick one up. So growing up, guns were completely normal to you, just a a normal part of daily life. Then we're going to fast forward. You went to college in Philadelphia. You lived in a few different urban centers. And then on August 12th of 2017, you traveled to Charlottesville, Virginia to protest against the white nationalists who were putting on the Unite the Right rally. And in your article, you describe this day as a turning point for you. It was scary and the experience sort of changed or solidified your views about guns. Can you talk about that day and what happened and what changed for you? I mean, I'd had an evolving consciousness about like what guns can do. And of course, in the past, you know, God, however long, like we've heard about horrible incidents, horrible mass shootings, like all this horrible, insane stuff that happens. People use guns to do. And so I know, like, I knew that. I'm from middle of nowhere, but I'm not that naive. But it really hadn't, that sort of stuff doesn't always hit home until it affects you personally. So when I was in Seville, the fact that there were these heavily armed three percenters, these militia dudes who were all, like, bristling with weapons. They had ARs, they had sidearms, I'm sure they had hidden guns. They were just walking miniature gun shops. Essentially, they were there to protect the Nazis from us, the people that were there to protest the Nazis. It was very viscerally upsetting and very viscerally jarring because up until then, you know, you know that guns are weapons of war. You know that they're used for horrific, inhumane things, but it's hard to uh, to grasp the enormity of that until you're stood next to some six foot guy in camo fatigues holding an AR who's looking at you funny. So fast forward to the present. And we find ourselves in the wake of the Parkland shooting, another tragic mass school shooting where 17 people died. And we're sort of thrown right back into this gun control debate that happens after every mass shooting. But this time, some things feel a little bit different, particularly with the organizing on the part of the high school students. And now we're waiting. We're waiting to see what kind of change 
will happen if anything will change and there's a lot of talk about the NRA and its role in stymieing gun control for years so in this moment in time where are you emotionally intellectually how are you processing this conversation how do you feel about the NRA's response to Parkland you know when I was a kid the NRA was just sort of this almost boring hunting organization that I thought of as just being my dad my uncles my granddad's thing just like a club like their gun club because they all went to gun clubs and their logo stickers were everywhere and they sent us magazines but it's just you know just it was the same thing as getting a bunch of Cabela's magazines or Field and Stream I remember like they're all about gun safety and they had like cute videos and classes and it was just this it made sense it was like this common sense thing because we're surrounded by guns we all we had a bunch of guns so you need to know how to behave yourself and conduct yourself and responsibly handle them but now they're they seem to spend most of their time either blocking sensible gun reform legislation in washington or shooting these super high produced absolutely insane attack ads on everyone from hollywood to colin kaepernick to the liberal media at large you know, it's a little irritating to see them using my, my dad's dues money to make this bullshit. They've sort of lost whatever common sense that they ever had. It hasn't been there for a really long time. I mean, I'm 30, so, and this started happening before I was born. So it's been 40 odd years of them just morphing into this blood cult. It's kind of shameful to feel that uh, I'm in any way connected to it. But everybody in my family is still involved. Like, in a weird way, I have this kind of leftover nostalgia for it because it just reminds me of my dad. Like, it reminds me of growing up and going crashing around the woods with my dad and, like, going to gun shows and doing fun, weird redneck shit. But now it's just so different and it's so viscerally repugnant thing that is actively making the world worse. So how do you reconcile these experiences you grew up in a rural environment you know your family still loves guns they still own guns they still use guns and they have a totally different set of politics than you do now and now you're a music journalist at vice and you live in a major urban setting how do you reconcile this experience sort of on on a personal level what what is dinner around your family table life (laughs) we don't talk about politics really we've gotten to a point where we stay away from topics that we know are gonna go pear-shaped like i'm sure a lot of people have that issue you know every thanksgiving you get a slew of think pieces about how to deal with your racist uncle like yeah you just let him go until he passes out really um, but it is it is difficult. I'm definitely having a hard time connecting with my family now. I mean, it's always I've always been a little little different than than everybody I grew up with. But I'm still from there. Is the thing like when I go home, like to talk to my dad about memories and about my dog or like family gossip. Like there's there are workarounds. Like I'm sure we're not as close as we could be, but you know you kind of take what you can get. How would you describe your stance on guns and gun control? I'm still kind of evolving on it. I think that there needs to be a little bit more nuance in the discourse because, like, there's shades of gray in this country. You can't discount 
entire like cultural parts of this country without coming off kind of ham-fisted and sanctimonious which is the only thing i can see the tiniest kernel of truth in the nra's insane advertisements and dana losha's you know rabid frothings You ended your piece with some pretty strong words. You said, those who continue to support the NRA have blood on their hands. What advice do you have for people who, like you, grew up immersed in gun culture and now find themselves in this sort of divided, divisive conversation about guns? I think you just need to try and take a minute and cut through the static and think about what's being said really think about it without being partisan or giving into even if you are like a conservative republican and you sit down you're honest with yourself like right should an 18 year old kid be able to get an ar what is the point of that what is the purpose of that i think at the very least there are basic truths that are coming out of this this whole thing i think people need to listen better which is such a such a like fluffy liberal thing to say but i think the reason that people have paid attention to this particular essay is no one's talking to people in the middle no one's talking to people that actually have experience with gun culture and hunting culture and who aren't just caricatures on fox news what changes do you want to see concretely I think some of the proposed measures right now, which are very basic, bare minimum, subterranean level shit, there's no reason not to pass them. Don't need bump stocks. Why do you need a bump stock? You're going to take down a bear with a bump stock? No. You don't need to be able to buy assault weapons or like military grade weapons as a kid or even just in general, because what are you going to do with it? My dad has an AR. I asked him, well, dad, what do you got that for? And he just kind of grinned and said, because I can And that is just so indicative of modern gun culture. Like, just because you can't have a toy that's fun to shoot on the range doesn't mean you really need it. And it doesn't mean that your constitutional rights are being trampled on by someone saying, like, you know, do you really need to be able to fire, like, 10 rounds a second? Like, is that really necessary? So, yeah, like, common sense gun control legislation, I think, is a massive step, especially in this country where... Even the tiniest baby step is just absolutely steamrolled by Republicans and conservatives and NRA lobbyists. Like, you gotta do something. To read Kim's full article, go to vice.com. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. And tune in again tomorrow for another Vice Guide to Right Now. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.